Well, for the next 15 to 20 minutes or so of our time together, I'd like to share the word and get into the word. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to worship you. In particular, in a time like this, where the world is in fear and in panic, we come to you, our Savior who died for us. Jesus, we thank you. We cannot thank you enough. So we come to you in praise, even as we open your word together. May you be blessed. May you be given all of the glory through what is said, through what is sung, and through what we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been a wonderful morning of worship, contemplation, and reflection. We want to continue this by going deep into God's word together, which speaks to us in a way that really nothing else will. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to open up to two different gospel accounts of the crucifixion of our Savior. First, we're going to be in the Gospel of John in chapter 19. Then in the book before, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, where we find this glorious story of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Throughout this service, we have heard much of John 19, and so I don't need to repeat it fully. However, I would like to, to open to John 19, 23 to 24. Let's not waste any time and see what it says. John 19, 23 to 24 says these words. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. The title of this message this morning is The Weight of Sin and Beauty of His Mercy. So that is what I want us to do and for us to hear and feel. The beginning is to hear the weight of our sin and eventually getting to not simply thinking about the mercy of God, but rather to think about and to know the beauty of his mercy. As we think about sin, and in particular, the weight that comes from knowing our sin, I want to try and answer this question as we begin this morning. Was the cross overkill, or was it needed? Death by crucifixion, as you might know, was and still is considered one of the most barbaric, torturous, and humiliating deaths ever conceived by all of mankind. Death by crucifixion was by Jesus a sacrifice, a laying down of his life for his friends and for his enemies. It was, as the Bible tells us, an atonement for sin, for our sin. This is an important thing to know as we continue on. Sometimes we think of sin and we speak of sin as something that is simply a word or a small offense. We as Christians often say Jesus died for our sins, as we've been reminded of this morning. 
or speak of ourselves as sinners. But do we actually understand what this means? I think Good Friday comes face to face with those exact questions. And so today, I want us to feel weight. But as we go through the text and both passages of scripture, I want us to slowly feel the weight lifted because there is no point to weight, in particular to weight that we feel and lift when it doesn't do anything to us in a good way, in a freeing way. Sin, as I said, is sometimes said in a way in which we don't really think of it with any serious connotation. As Christians, we believe we are sinners, and we define that sin as either a sin of omission, which are things you know you should do, but that you don't do. Then there are sins of commission, which are things you should not do, but you did it anyway. Sin, when we think of it, are offenses to people around us. Serious sins, when we think about serious sins, include these ones, perhaps. Rape, murder, racism, many kinds of oppression against people or people groups. All of these things are serious, and yet perhaps as we look at Good Friday, come face to face with the cross, we need to understand that our most serious offense that sin gives is perhaps against God himself. Although all sins are incredibly serious, sin at its core is offense made against God. When we sin against people, we are sinning against, again, people who are made in the image of God, but, again, are finite. God in his glory, God as love, as our creator, is infinite. So as we think of the cross as perhaps overkill or not overkill for our sin, we need to ask ourselves, is sin primarily an offense against finite people whom we love who are made in the image of God, or is it an offense primarily against an infinite God who is love? Romans 3.23 says these familiar words, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 9 to 10, just a little bit before that, says these words, says both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And even before that, in Romans chapter 1, Paul describes humans in Romans 1, 22 to 23, as claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. In Jeremiah 2, 12 to 13, we get a glimpse of how God views the sin of people, in particular, his people. It says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and he wrote cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, the great crime in this world is that people, you and me, both of us, have continually rebelled against God and have chosen the creation over the creator. We have chosen things over 
the fountain of living water. Chosen and exchanged things of the world when we could have infinite satisfaction in Jesus alone. And so God sends Jesus, the Son of God, the God-man, to come and die so that John 3.16 could be true. That for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. This takes us to Good Friday, where in John 19, if you're following along, where we saw in verses 23 to 24, Jesus is mocked. He is crucified, beaten on, and spat on. These people divided the garments among themselves, the clothing of Jesus, laughing and joking around this man who called himself the way, the truth, and the life. And he was dying on the cross. And as sin was laid open in its highest degree, Jesus tells these things in Luke 23, 32 to 43. It says this, Two other men, both criminals, were also laid out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divide up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This contrast between two criminals side by side with Jesus on the cross exemplifies not only the beauty of the mercy of Jesus, but also two different responses we as sinners can have with Jesus. Jesus tells the Father to forgive them, but from them come two different responses to the mercy of Jesus. One of the criminals responds with complete rejection and mocking. He joins in with those who are mocking him and dividing up his garments. The other criminal's response provides the glorious response of the gospel. As he looks at Jesus, he understands his sinfulness in light of the innocence and purity of Jesus. And with humility, he says these words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A criminal who was on a cross with Jesus, a criminal who by his own accord is being punished justly, cries out in humility, and repentance for Jesus to remember him when he goes into heaven. 
This is the beauty of the mercy of our Savior, that he asks those mockers to be forgiven, criminals to be forgiven, and one of them responds to that mercy. You see, the beauty is that there is no moral resume, no kind of good works that is required for entrance into heaven. All that is required of any person is a humble acknowledgement of sin and trusting faith in Jesus. And how more beautiful could that be? So even on Good Friday, the gospel is offered freely and fully to all those who are weary and heavy laden. All of you who are tired of pursuing the things of the world to satisfy you. In Jesus, we have pure and innocent man who died for sinners, who need to come humbly to his feet and trust in him for their way to be saved from their sin. Beauty in the mercy of Jesus is displayed fully in Romans 5, 7 to 8, which reveals the stunning truth of the goodness of Jesus on this Good Friday. Romans 5, 7 to 8 says these words. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. If that doesn't shake you up in some way, you need to come face to face with the crucified Christ this morning. The finality and ultimate beauty of the Good Friday event comes in Jesus' three words, it is finished, which will be read in just a minute. Those three words are our beginning. As we, much like the disciples after Good Friday, spend time isolated in our homes as we await the full beauty of our Savior to be shown in the resurrection on Easter Sunday. The tomb does not stay empty, and our hearts do not have to stay troubled. In Christ, we don't have to be afraid. And in Christ, we, although sinners, can declare out loud, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Let's pray. Father, your word speaks to us in ways uh, that nothing else could. And so, Father, we want to uh, be reminded through your word of our sin and your mercy and how we can respond to the offer of forgiveness, the gospel. And, Father, we pray uh, that uh, through the rest of our holy week, the rest of our time this morning, that you would be glorified, that your name, Jesus, the one that died for us would be made known in a great and exalting way right now. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.